Hi, this is Stephanie Hansen, and you listen to me every week as the host of the Makers of Minnesota podcast. But what you may not know is in my professional life, I help brands with social media strategy. I also help them with social media management. And currently, I have openings for two clients. Generally, when I'm your social media manager, I help you gather contents and assets of things that we can post on your Facebook, your Instagram, your Twitter accounts. We'll also do some LinkedIn posts if you have great business stories. But generally, I am the person that will help you write and schedule content for your social media feed so that all you're needing to do is talk with me a couple of times a month to get the calendar together or to talk about generally how you want your social media marketing to feel. And then I'm the person that executes the posts. I can also respond to messages that you get from people on your social media feeds so that you are doing the business of getting business for your business. If this is something that appeals to you, just let me know. You can find me at shansen, H-A-N-S-E-N, marketing at gmail.com. Now on to the podcast. Hi, this is Stephanie Hansen, and you are listening to the Makers of Minnesota podcast, where we're talking to cool people doing cool things. And today, I have someone that I feel like you're kind, you could kind of be like my doppelganger in some respects. It's Jenna Redfield, and she is the founder of the Twin Cities Collective. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Uh, you have a podcast in your own right, a very yes. successful podcast. It's, it's been almost, let's see, three years this month. Has he, have you been doing it that long? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did you start it? Well, I went to school for video production, so I have a oh, really big did. yeah. So I have a big background in video, and I never thought I'd do podcasting because it's just not video; it's just audio. Yeah. But it became really big. I loved listening to podcasts, and so when I started Twin Cities Collective, I only started it six months before I started the podcast, and I was I don't know. It was just something I wanted to try out. I saw a lot of my friends doing it, um, a lot of my online friends, and so I just. I bought a hundred dollar mic. I, you know, tried Skyping or Zooming with people and, and I just have learned from there all of the importance of, you know, good quality mics and, sure. you know, the sound quality and then also what to talk about. And I've just, it's been a process and I've, I've met a lot of people through it, which has been awesome. And yeah, it's been a really fun experience. Describe to the listener what Twin Cities Collective yeah. is. It's kind of confusing because we do a lot of things, but basically we started it as a community group for people in the Twin Cities that do things either online or they have their own business or they have a blog. That's kind of the general arching thing. Over time, it's kind of expanded with the podcast. We do a lot of events and workshops. I teach uh, mostly social media, Instagram workshops. And then we've kind of branched out. And now um, I do Instagram and social media coaching um, one-on-one for small businesses. And then we've just done a lot of things. But basically, we have a Facebook group. We have um, our Instagram account. And people can connect with each other in those places. When you started it, were you working like out of your home and you were looking for community? Mm -hmm. What was the impetus of why you felt like this voice needed to yeah. be in the world doing this. Well, so I had been going to networking events around town. I was looking for work. And so I realized that the whole Minneapolis area is very disjointed in terms of people don't really know each other unless they go to this one event or something. And so for the longest time, I thought, I wish everyone had a way to find each other. And I was in a group called Twin Cities Blogger Collective that was not run by me. And the girl that was running it ended up moving. 
And I said, would you mind if I took over this group? There was maybe about 100 people in it. It was very small. And she's like, sure. Like, here's all the information. She gave me the Instagram. She gave me everything. But so I had this thing and I, I didn't know what to do with it. I was like, okay, this is mine now. Yeah. <laughs> and there was another group called Minneapolis Bloggers that had a couple hundred people in it. And I was in that one as well. I looked to see who the admins of that Facebook group was. And one of them was my cousin, Melissa, my first <laughs> cousin. And so I asked her, I was like, can I like take over this group too? <laughs> so I did. And then I merged them together and moved everyone over to one group. And then we changed the name. We rebranded to more of the small business blogger community. And it's just been growing ever since. And I just had this real passion for it. Like I really enjoy connecting people to each other. I really like building my own network and then helping people. People have found jobs through the group. People have found business partners. They have learned about other things that are happening. And that's really what I do it for. So now as we've evolved over Mm -hmm. the course of the last three years, is the collective still a place where people get together and it's like a meetup or is it more a house for your personal... I would say it's both. I mean, we still do a lot of events. I try to do one a month. That's kind of my goal. It sometimes happens to be two in a month and then on the next month, you know, we had our huge best of awards, which as you know, you were nominated, Thank you. Um, which kind of was a random idea I had last year and it went really well. And then this year it was even bigger and we had a huge event. We had 150 people at our event and it was our first maker market and it was just really insane. And it really hit me how big it's gotten. Um, But we try to do a lot of smaller workshops. I've done a lot of surveys and most people like to do about 30 to 40 people Uh per event because if it's over 50, it gets to be a little big and people are, you know, who do I talk to? Yeah. Cause they really do want that interpersonal mm-hmm. connection. Yeah. And, and so that's one thing where I'm like, if it's only 10 people, it just doesn't seem big enough. I just, I've found that 30 to 40 is great for workshops. And so actually our Instagram workshop that's happening in February just sold out in like a day, which was awesome. Um, because it's so needed, you know, and we're doing our first ever breakfast workshop. So a lot of them are usually in the evening because most of the people in our group are side hustlers or, you know, they work during the day. So they come in the night. So it's figuring out, okay, well, who is the audience that I want coming to these events? There are so many different types of businesses and people involved that it's hard to have everyone be happy with what you're doing, you know? So let's back up a second and talk about who you are. Okay. Like you're a fairly young woman. Yes. How did you have the confidence, the knowledge to be Mm -hmm. like, okay, like I'm very impressed by you oh, because you. you just dive in and start doing mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. And that takes a unique kind of person because you are like, you're like, oh, I want to have this like whole best of event and you just did it. What is it like? Who are you that mm-hmm. you started this and what are you looking for just as yeah. a person? That's interesting. Well, so I, I've always been very creative. I mean, growing up, I thought I was going to be a singer or an actress. Where'd you grow up? Uh, Minnetonka. Okay. So I grew up in the cities and... Are you a Gemini? No, I'm a Leo, actually. Okay. So August, when's your birthday? 11th. Okay. My daughter's born August 3rd and okay. she's like you. Like she just has this <laughs> confidence yeah. and this fire and she just does stuff. I'm like, yeah. how do you know how to do that? She's like, I don't know, mom. I just figured it yeah. out. And you kind of remind me of her oh, in good. that way. Yeah. Well, it's so funny because I, I, I live in fear. Like I'm always afraid. Yes. I always think everything's going to fail. So whenever I launch something, I'm in panic mode. Like I won't, I mean, when I launched the best awards this year, I launched it in like November, the tickets, and we didn't get a lot of sales the first two, three weeks. And I was 
terrified because I had paid for the space. And like, I was like, I need to at least recoup my investment and actually get enough people because I was like, otherwise it'd be embarrassing if no one yes. came. So, but it was funny because like most of the audience came within the last week of sales because they got nominated. So it was like, I should have known that, you know, but basically, um, so growing up, I was really creative and, uh, I don't know. I just always felt like I had this calling to be something bigger than what people expected of me. And I think, you know, I was smart, but not like super smart. And I was good, but not good enough. And I always struggled with social stuff growing up. I had struggles making friends and keeping friends. And were you an only child or did you have brothers and sisters? I have a brother and, um, I was the oldest. So, um, I don't know. I was very confident when I was younger. And then right about the time, middle school, high school, oh, college came, I ca- my, my confidence kind of went down. And even after graduation. So when I was in, I went to school for again, like production, media communication, just cause I really love making videos and telling stories. And then basically all the stuff I've learned, I've only learned in the last six years, mm-hmm. which is crazy. But after I graduated college, I had no job. Like I was, I didn't know what to do because my major was so broad. I could do whatever, right. but I also didn't have a path. So I could go whichever direction I wanted. And so I ended up finding a couple of part-time jobs. At one time I had four part-time jobs because I was just trying to piecemeal get experience. Cause a um, lot of these things that you do, like having mm-hmm. a workshop, like yeah. having a podcast, you know, they're not necessarily revenue producing activities. Not always, no. They may introduce you to connections mm-hmm. that could hire you to do yeah. something, but. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing is I've kind of learned over time. Like, for example, I, the first business I started was filming weddings mm-hmm. because I had a background in video production and that was where the money was in town for video is weddings Yep. because that was where people were spending money. So I tried that, learned I don't love filming weddings, but I loved the idea of having a business. And that was kind of that spark for me that, oh, this is cool. I can have my own thing. I don't have to rely on getting employed or getting a job. Like I can actually make my own money. And then the second business I started was actually on Etsy. So I learned about the online space. It was, I sold stock photography. So I, because I have a background in like video and, and stuff, I bought a DSLR camera, started taking photos of basically, um, like products like computers and stuff. And I would sell those to people who wanted them on their website as stock photos. Yeah. Yeah. And I sold them for $10 a photo. And I remember getting my first Etsy sale. I was in the car and I was so excited because I was like, somebody's actually going to buy this for $10. And I've made thousands of dollars selling stock photos on Etsy. It's crazy. I don't do it as much anymore. I've kind of gone away from it, but that really helped me get started with the online community in terms of I learned how to build a website. I learned um, all about search engine optimization. I learned about Facebook. I learned about Facebook groups, which have been instrumental in me finding connections online. Mm -hmm. I joined masterminds. I listened to podcasts. I basically spent two years learning all of this stuff before I even started Twin Cities Collective. So I really spent a lot of time really figuring out what I wanted. And then when this opportunity fell on me, I was like, I'm ready. Were your parents entrepreneurs? My dad kind of is. <laughs> he's ha- he's kind of a job hopper. Okay. So he he's uh, in like the finance world, but he gets very bored after a few years at a job. And so like he has had his own jobs and growing up, sometimes he'd work from home and sometimes he'd had a regular job. It kind of goes back and forth. And so that was something growing up. I could see I was that way too. I don't think I could stay at a job more than three years. Right. That would drive me nuts because I'm so 
all over the place in terms of I have a new idea. I want to jump out in that. And then there's other things I want to try. So yeah, I've just kind of all over the place. And I don't know if that's just me though. I don't know if that was being raised in that environment, but I think it's just my personality. I think too, seeing that if, if that's what you saw is every two or three years, your dad reinventing himself and mm-hmm. getting new opportunities, it maybe wouldn't be as scary of the, no. of, of an idea of that they're, there's always those opportunities. There's yeah. always someone that wants to hire you. And I think the older I get, the more experience I have, the more connections I have, I just feel like not as scared that I'll fall to nothing. Yep. And I think for all of that, and also my parents have been very supportive of my dreams, which not everyone is. A lot of parents are like, you know, get a regular job, all that stuff. What does your mom do? Uh, she actually is a stay-at-home mom. She has been my whole life. We should say hi to your mom. Yes. Because she's a fan, <laughs> she's apparently. She's a fan of Stephanie. I'm sure she'll be laughing at this while, while we we're talking. What's your about, mom's name? Her name is Cindy. Hi, Cindy. How yeah. are you? You've raised a delightful <laughs> daughter who I'm enjoying yes. talking to very much. Yes, thanks. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, I I do think that a lot of it has been just the freedom I grew up in. Like, they let me pick what college I wanted to go to. They let me pick what major. Yeah, like, some they people, were, um, they weren't like, you should do this. Like, right. some people's parents are that way. And my parents are just like, do whatever you want. As long as you get an education, you know, it's your life. And, you know, and I never, and it's funny because, like, my brother is kind of more traditional. And he's gone the more, like, you know, get a job kind of thing. And I've always been, like, the free spirit spirited. in terms of I wanted, like, I, to me, having a job is just a job. And I think, you know, you can make money in a lot of ways. And I think for me, I could never live that way where it's, I hate what I do. I could never live that way. I'm very, very sensitive and I'm an empath. I, you know, I'm a highly sensitive person. So for me, every single day would impact me so much if I had a job I didn't like. And I have had jobs I haven't liked and I've left them (laughs) because I I hit a point, I hit a wall and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. How do people access Twin Cities Collective? Like, do they join? Do they follow you online? So we have a Facebook group. That's mainly where all this stuff happens. So there's two different things. We have a page, but we also have a group. So if you join the group, then every single weekday we have threads you can add so you can add your Instagram account if people want to follow it you can promote yourself it's a great way for small businesses to find other people and also promote themselves um we also have an Instagram account so i'm on stories every single day and then we have an email list so that always i always share things about what's coming up and then i'm going to be launching group coaching soon as well so that's going to be something where we're going to have like 10 to 12 people it's going to be like my one-on-one coaching but more in a group setting so mm-hmm. that's kind of what you can join now we did try a membership for a bit and it just wasn't right for me <laughs> when you join a group to yeah. be coached yes what are you being coached in social media yeah so i i'm gonna have like every month it's gonna be like three four months of coaching like once or twice a month i haven't again i haven't gotten it together but basically i'm gonna be walking through different parts of marketing Mm -hmm. so social media you know websites Mm -hmm. uh video podcasting all the stuff that you need to know to start a business and then have it be promoted online that's really what i teach who would be a good student for you Probably a small business owner who is How small. Um, you could even be up on your own. Like a lot of my clients, it's just them. Yep, solopreneurs. So solopreneurs. Um, sometimes they have a small team. I've been working with a few wellness companies where they have maybe ten to fifteen employees, uh-huh. um, and it's usually either the marketing person or the owner. 
Um, because I always tell business owners, you should have a sense of what you need to do. Even if you hire a marketing person, you should still be in charge of your own business. Uh, even if you outsource part of it yep. to a marketing like person. Maybe you know what your social media strategy exactly. is and you know, you should post four days a mm-hmm. week and these are the, but you are just not doing that. Yeah. So I think just, yeah, I think having that knowledge of what you should be doing is just as important as doing it because if you just hand a hundred percent of it off to someone else, you're really risking it on them because yep. you know, they could mess it up. They could, um, but you obviously have to make sure they're a good fit and all that stuff. So I really feel like to me, my mission is to employ, to make it so that business owners understand marketing. They just understand it. Yep. That's really my goal. When you mentioned, um, I'm going to pick a little bit at the mm-hmm. different social media mm-hmm. elements. You mentioned, uh, Facebook groups and yeah. your eyes kind of lit up yeah, I love them. and we're reading a lot in the social media field about how, you know, Facebook is really putting a lot of emphasis on mm-hmm. groups and that's really an important piece of Facebook. If you're a, tell me about how you feel like that works for a business owner. Obviously mm-hmm. it works for you yeah. because you're having these threads and you're having these online discussions. Mm-hmm. How would or why would a Facebook group be important for a business versus a Facebook page? Well, I was actually just on a podcast recently where I talked about this whole topic, which was kind of fun. I never talk about it, but it's not for every business. I'll be honest. There are some where you you do have to have time Mm -hmm. devoted to it. And to me, it is worth the time. I do schedule all the posts, so I don't have to actually be in there Mm -hmm. posting. But for me, I think just being part of groups is important, even if you don't have your own. I think that by joining Facebook groups, you can be uh, a resource for people. You can get clients through it. You can learn things. There are so many groups out there. There's so many. Yeah. Some, But what I've found is that sometimes I join people's groups and then they're dead and you're not posting. No one else is posting. Or if you are posting, no one's commenting. So what I found the biggest tip is, is to make it about them. Don't make it about you. Because for me, the reason people post is they get to talk about themselves. So an example, um, so I have a radio show called weekly dish Mm -hmm. and we got really crazy about the instant pot and we started a group because we didn't want to have it on our Facebook page Mm. because not everybody has these Mm -hmm. pots, but we wanted to have a place where people could talk about wins and Mm -hmm. losses. And so we created this weekly dish instant potters, Facebook group. There's 8,000 members wow. of this Facebook group and 3,000 followers of our Facebook page. Wow. The group has eclipsed because it's so niche yeah, and it's so specific. It and people are posting recipes in there mm-hmm. every day or like, hey, I just got a new Instant Pot. I'm afraid of it. What's the first thing I should cook? Mm-hmm. Like, It's fascinating how different it is how different it is from just a Facebook yeah, page. To me, a Facebook page is mostly promotional and a Facebook group is more community. That's and a great more way to put it. Discussions. And that's why I like, so mine's the same. We have about 3000 in the group and about a thousand on our page. So it's, it is bigger than our page. Yep. And I do still post on the page, but it's usually just, you know, my own blog posts or episodes of the podcast. I don't really ask questions on the page. I don't really start conversations on the page. I do that in the group Okay. because it's just, it's kind of our, it's a closed community. So only the people in the group can see the posts. Um, a lot of small business owners come on this show or just business owners in general, come on this program and social media is sort of the bane of their existence. Mm, yeah. They, I get that a lot. <laughs> they enjoy it personally, but they don't love doing it for their business. They don't want to be attached to it 24 seven. Why do you, th- or 
how much time do you think a business owner, a, most business owners need to devote to social media in a week to be successful? I would say at least five, like one hour a day. Okay. And you probably have a good plan for like mm-hmm. one hour a day of how to execute that. Mm-hmm. Um, if they can't devote one hour a day or it feels overwhelming, how much do you think someone should budget and on mm. a monthly basis for hiring someone? It depends on everything. I mean, it depends on how good the person is, how much they're doing. Are they creating the content or are they just posting it? Yep. Um, one of the things we are planning to do at some point is to start bringing on people to help manage people's social because that is my number one request is do you manage social? Yeah. And because most people don't have the time. And I think it depends on how big your company is. It depends on a lot of things, but you know, people charge, you know, 20 to $50 an hour, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it's, it's figuring out like, okay, well, you know, what can I afford? How many hours do you bring someone in eternally and have them be part of your team? Or do you outsource just that to a freelancer? There's so many options. I mean, I've seen it where I'm working with a company right now where they have a front desk person who is also their social media person. So she's got dual roles. And so I'm really working with her because that's not her main job, but it is the job also to do social and to teach her sort of some of the tricks of the trade because like i would say like younger people do get it more they are faster at learning it because they're already on there themselves but a lot of times they're not trained in the strategy they just know how to so i always say don't just give it to your kid because they don't know the marketing strategy they know how to use the app but they don't know how to actually make it work to be profitable content Mm -hmm. so learning that is really important and I think too, it changes so much, oh, right? Yeah. Like the algorithms mm-hmm. change, the usefulness changes, how the follower strategy yeah. changes. That's kind of why I talk about social on the podcast is to keep people updated because they don't have time like I do to spend learning about social. Like my job is to read books and learn about social and then tell my coaching clients or to tell the audience, okay, the guys like TikTok is huge right now. Let's talk about it. What, you know, all that stuff. Um, have you heard of, uh, so TikTok is new mm-hmm. and there's a lot of, uh, young people on it. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's six second. It's actually, uh, I think it's 15 second or 60 seconds. They started, I think, um, in like a, a Snapchat competitor. Yeah. It there's was called new, Musical.ly back in the day. There's a new one. Have you heard of Quimby? Quibi? Quibi, that's well, it. Well, so that's completely different. There's, Tell me about okay, that. Okay, so there's Byte, which just launched this week, and that's Vine 2.0. Musical.ly became TikTok. It was purchased by a company in China, so now TikTok is, like, number one. Quibi is actually, um, like, movies and TV shows based out of Hollywood that are under 10 minutes long. And that's launching, I think, in April. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited about that. We'll see how that goes. It's like they've, I think they've raised a billion dollars. It's the guy, app. Jeffrey Katzenberg, mm-hmm. and then the woman yeah. from Hewlett Packard. Uh, Meg Whitman? Yes. Yes. I've been paying attention to that. I actually want to do a video about all three of those because I think a lot of people are like, what is this? All of that. And you know? there's been a lot of weird conversation about, TikTok being run by Chinese mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Is this just a way to hack, yeah. you know, the United States social media yeah. infrastructure? Mm-hmm. I've been kind of wary because of that. I haven't really done much with TikTok, uh, mostly because I'm not sure yet how it would benefit me. Right. I have seen some local people doing it and they're doing it really well, but then they're also sending it over to their, their Instagram or, you know, so yeah, they're kind or of, their YouTube and channels. most people on TikTok right now aren't making money through TikTok. They're building their 
you know, audience and then moving to Instagram and YouTube to actually monetize it. So that's kind of what I'm seeing right now. TikTok is a great launching point for a lot of people, but it's hard to sustain that in terms of money on the app. I did a podcast a few weeks back with Eli Aloni, um, mm-hmm. foodie channel. I think I listened to that one. Yeah. yeah. And he, TikTok is his yeah, big, totally. is his big platform, yeah. but he's trying, he's a, he's 16 mm-hmm. and he's trying to move into the other platforms yeah, and also exactly. trying to figure out how to monetize his content. Yeah. I think the part that I don't like, I don't always recommend TikTok to people is it's just so overwhelming. It's overwhelming to me. And I'm in my 20s. Like, it, it's, it takes a lot of creativity to even go viral. You know, to mm-hmm. me, it's it's a lot of consistency. It's like Instagram, but it's completely different. <laughs> so for me, I've just mastered Instagram. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to master TikTok. We'll see if it stays. That's the thing is Vine only lasted, what, four years? And yeah. then it was gone. And then it's so sad because some of these people had such mm-hmm. a huge following yep. that they'd worked so hard to build up. And that's why I always say to my my clients, don't put all your eggs in one basket when it comes to a social media platform, because you never know when it could be gone. And so you want to build up your audience, but, you know, bring them to all of them, you know, add them on. So one of my biggest calls to action on my Instagram is to join our Facebook group. And one of my biggest calls to action in my Facebook group is to join our email list. So I'm getting people in every platform so that if for some reason my Instagram gets shut down, which I hope not, but like it could, Mm -hmm. then I'd lose all of the 17,000 followers I've built versus if I had an email list, I have an email list of about 2000. Like I have those forever. Do you think emails coming back? Um, I just did a video on this today. Um, I think so because the algorithm isn't affected by it. You go straight to the inbox and if you're subscribed, you will get that email. And I think that we take for granted that, you know, that if I send an email to someone, they will get it. It's sort of like, this is like so old. So just bear with me a second. Your mom is going to be laughing. I, I worked in advertising for many years. And then at some point I started a printing and direct mail company Mm -hmm. and direct mail Mm -hmm. goes right into your mailbox Mm -hmm. at your home. Yep. Until computers, there was nothing that did that. Yeah. And even now, like there is no spam filter on your mailbox. You literally have to get that mail you walk it maybe to the trash, yeah. but there's that 45 seconds where you're paging through yeah. it. And I don't know how many catalogs you got at Christmas time, but mm-hmm. I was like my poor mailman mm. because direct mail still works. Oh yeah. And people are like, Oh, print is dead. And it's different. It's mm-hmm. changed. And a lot of these like online companies are trying to get your email address, mm-hmm. your mailing address, because they're, you're right. They're having to hit you in all. Yeah. I think it's different platforms. I think the biggest thing that I say is have a mix of all of it because people will f- hear about it one way, but they it won't actually hit them until they see it in another place. You know, they, you know, they the hear about it. The old adage is yeah. um, you have to hit some, or you have to be in someone in front of someone's eyes seven yep. times. And it's actually double that now because oh, of because because of how many marketing messages we're getting hit with. And so that's why I don't like to think of it as marketing. It's it's education or it's promotion of others. Like I always think audience first and I think that most businesses think us first. Sure. How are we going to get our message? No, how are they going to connect with you? And I've read so many great books this year about like storytelling and how to really connect with people. What would you recommend? Um there's this book called Stories That Stick by Kendra Hall. Love that. Also, Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. Those are two of probably the books I recommend the most in terms of creating a story that sells. And Mm -hmm. I know it sounds weird, but 
storytelling is how we've lived forever hieroglyphics back in the ancient times you know stories have been movies that's why that's why i love movies so much they tell a story you know and that's why i use my instagram account to be a storytelling platform i every single caption i tell some sort of story and i've really been pushing that lately is people want to read that people love reading stories that's why people read books you know are there trends that you're seeing in instagram like that are more recent that you can share with the listeners. Like yeah. one thing we were talking about the other day is people are getting very personal with their Instagram oh, yeah. stories, mm-hmm. but you know, it's 45 panels of like, and then this happened and mm-hmm. then this happened. And I'm not sure for brands, certainly, but even personally, like, I don't know how long someone wants to hang out and listen yeah. to my daily musings. I try not to go more than 15 stories a day. Like, that's too much for me, unless it's a special thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm the same way. I don't sit and watch someone's stories all day. I'm kind of a weird Instagram user where I don't actually use it a lot for personal use. I use it specifically for my account. I'm, I'm not I'm not consuming a lot of other people's right. stuff. Content. I do the ones I people I know, people that I want to catch up with. Do you with. ever mute people? I usually just unfollow them. Yeah, my radio partner <laughs> was just telling me that I I was traveling and I was sharing stuff and she was like, Yeah, I'm sorry, I muted you. I was like, What? <laughs> what? You muted me? This is terrible. Yeah. She's like, well, Oh no, mm-hmm. I, I invite you back later on. Well, so what happens is is sometimes it shows at the very front the people that you're interacting with the most. And so for me on your stories, that's they, like stories has an algorithm too. A lot of people don't know that, but basically the ones you interact with the most come to the front or the one, the stories that most people have been interacting with the most. So Maya's recommendation is to do at least four or five continuous stories because people will keep clicking next to hear the whole thing. And that tells Instagram more people are wanting to watch. Right. Then if you just do one story and it goes away, it makes it seem like no one's watching it. Sure. Uh, but I, I would say stories are huge. So if you're not doing stories, I highly recommend it. I read somewhere recently that like stories are being seen three times more than posts. Oh, yeah. Oh, stories are way more popular nowadays. Well, the nice thing about stories, you can see who is watching your story with your actual post. Unless someone likes it, you can't see who's mm-hmm. actually seeing it. So I'm in person with someone and I say I did this thing and they're like, oh, I saw that on Instagram. I was like, but you didn't like it. So how do I know that you right. saw it? You know, and but with Instagram stories, you can actually see who has seen your story. And I love that. Yep. And I think stories feel very, can feel very authentic. Totally. Well, cause they're gone in 24 hours, you know, yeah. they're, they're momentary random stuff. <laughs> when we look at the feeds, um, people are getting more attraction than products. Um, I have a client that has a beautiful Instagram feed, but it's almost so beautiful that it feels fake. Mm. And it's a small company, but they look like a big company. Yeah. And I keep saying, like, rough it up a little bit. Mm. Like, let's not have every image look yeah. so professionally done. I feel like there's there are people that want to only follow those accounts, but then you also feel like it is kind of hollow. Like, what? Yeah, who it are feels you? fake. Like, yeah. what are you walking around with a photographer in your pocket twenty four seven? Yeah, I do think that you know I actually use a lot of graphics with quotes because mm-hmm. I feel like quotes really stand out because all of all of a sudden you're on Instagram, you're just seeing photos. All of a sudden you see a quote and you're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, and those ones actually are my most liked are because of the words I'm saying. And I think it kind of breaks up the account feeling as well. But I think authenticity and vulnerability is becoming the new way of Instagram. It used to be like, oh, look at me. I'm perfect. Mm-hmm. 
like this is my perfect life. And I do think that it's gotten a little bit less that way because people are just sick of trying to be perfect all the time when no one is. In terms of hashtags, we were like, you can have 30 hashtags. And it was like, no, you only want to have five. No, do you have too many? How do you feel about hashtags just in general? I think they're great. I always recommend to local businesses, if you're only selling local, only use local hashtags because the people that are going to be potential clients are going to be looking at local and they'll be able to walk to your store. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not someone in California who's liking your post with a general hashtag. They're not going to, it's not strategic enough to like get, it's not about getting likes. It's about getting business, right? Yeah. And like, I don't know, like you use the word healthy. Mm-hmm. That just feels like, Oh yeah. I don't like random hashtags. I, I find them annoying, but I, I'm, you know, I use a lot of like MN creative or MN small business. Mm-hmm. Like I do a lot of the ones that are, people are actually following because they want to find new businesses or they're a business themselves and they want to connect. So if you look at my Instagram and look at my hashtags, I use basically the same hashtags every day. And a lot of them, I also look to see how many people are using the hashtag mm-hmm. because that means more activity and more people are actually going, I actually have a free hashtag guide on my website too. Oh, good. So it, I basically went through and looked up all the local hashtags and kind of ranked them based off of their most uses and then kind of by category. So I have food ones, uh-huh. I have wedding vendor ones, I have photography ones. So basically I spent like half a day doing this and just listing them out. And that, so you can just get them on my website. That's very helpful. Um, I was just going to ask you something and then I forgot. <laughs> Uh, podcasting is obviously something people are taking Mm -hmm. more interest in. People want to do podcasts, Mm -hmm. but they have barriers to entry because they don't know technically. Yeah. Do you think that a small business person should just start their own podcast at home or do you think they should go and do it professionally? I think it depends on a lot of things. It depends on your budget. It depends on your level of skill. I work part-time at Studio Americana in Golden Valley. Mm -hmm. They do professional podcasting and they're awesome. They are really great. Yeah. And so I would say that if you're like, I just want to record and leave. I, you know, I worked there for, I still work there and I do, did my podcast there for like a year and a half. And I loved it. Cause I could just invite people to that address. They come in, it's yep. so professional, then they leave and that's it. I now do my podcast at home just for a few different reasons. And it is a lot more work for me because I have to now edit my own podcast. I had to buy all the equipment. It is a one-time investment though. So that is nice. So there it's pros and cons to depending on your budget, depending on your level of skill. If you're going to have to hire someone to help you with the podcast, it might make more sense to just go to someone that yeah. already has it all set up. And if someone was going to budget to have someone, uh, to go somewhere and do something is about a thousand dollars a month, the right number. Uh, yeah, I would say so. If yeah. you do, if you do weekly episodes. Yeah. And do you know anybody that's making a lot of money on their podcasts? Well, I mean, some of the bigger podcasts are, you know, it's funny monetization of podcasts is, is interesting because you can either get a sponsor or you promote yourself. That's Mm -hmm. kind of the two ways I've seen it. And for me, I've realized I'm like, I'm just going to promote what I do and then get leads that way in terms of my offerings. Because you're not Dax Shepard. Yeah. I don't have a million downloads. I, you know, and a lot of the people that listen are weekly, like they come back. And so I have consistent listeners and so they know what I do, but you know, I am looking into sponsorships right now because not only do I promote my podcast on, you know, Spotify and Apple podcasts, I also do video version. So I have the ad on YouTube and on Facebook. And then I also post on Instagram, like a clip. 
So, I mean, for me, I do more than just the podcast. It's also on all of my bigger platforms, which are Instagram and Facebook. And you have a lot of ways to monetize that for someone. Yeah. And that's the thing is there's so many businesses around town. I just haven't really gotten into it yet. I've been wanting to build up enough listenership to actually feel like, oh, I can now offer sponsorships. And I think I'm at that point. So it's just, that's the part that a lot of people struggle with is I'm only getting 30 downloads an episode. No one's going to pay for that. But if they're in a niche, like a super small niche, yeah, 30 people, that's a lot of sales. If you, if you get them all and they're super like interested, you know? Yeah. It, it, and I have to remind myself, cause I look at like when we do a radio show and we podcast that, you know, there's in any given week, five to 10,000 people mm-hmm. that are listening to that and downloading it. Plus you add the 150,000 on the radio stick. So it gets to be a lot. And then I do my like home mm-hmm. podcast. It's yeah. like, Oh, a thousand people <laughs> listened last week, but it feels like nothing, yeah. but that's not nothing. It no, is a lot more nothing. than that's for a lot, lot of people. More. Yeah. And I have been like podcasting. This is, I mean, three and a half years I've been doing it yeah. a long time. Mm-hmm. So Part of it is just longevity in the space and consistency. And like, that's the thing is it's been the thing I've done the longest ever. Yeah. Like even I've had, I've had the podcast longer than I've had different businesses. So this Mm -hmm. is something that I've been, I don't know why, but I keep super consistent about it. Even though it takes up a lot of my week. I'm like, I still want to keep, people are relying on me to have the podcast come out. You have really good information for people. And so for me, I've really, I've put boundaries on myself in terms of, you know, if there's a week, I just can't put out a podcast. I'm not going to kill myself over it. Like there's just like, I think I took, I took a month off. Because um, we actually did our first live podcast last June. We yep. hit 100 episodes. And I was like, I want to do something exciting for 100 episodes. So we did a live podcast. But we were on 99. And we had a month to go until the live one. So I took a month off so that the 100th episode would be the live one. So I think, too, you need, like, I took a, I think about, was it, it was about a month. I changed uh, from recording at the radio station oh, okay. to recording at home. And so it was about a month. And I felt so, like, refreshed mm-hmm. when I came totally. back to it. Yeah, I think that was the same. So I went from the studio to home as well. And and then I was I, I was like, you know what? I'm I have all these options in terms of I can film and so I I've tried it different ways where I have cameras. Now I'm just using my iPhone because it's easier. Yeah. And I just got a new iPhone, so I was like, I'm gonna use the really nice camera in my iPhone and just figuring out, okay, you know, do people wanna watch the full episode or do they wanna watch a five minute clip? I can I ask you about that? Because yeah. it's never occurred to me to record a session of a podcast. Yeah. I mean, do people want to watch you just talking to someone? It seems so boring. Um, I, I did. I, it depends. I mean, I watch podcasters on YouTube, but again, I watch the clips. They do yeah, a 10 minute clip. Watch the full. Yeah. And so they basically section, like, for example, there's a podcast called the H3H3 podcast and they interview a lot of celebrities and stuff. And basically they have a couple cameras and they kind of switch back and forth, but basically they're, it's like a YouTube video. They're talking about something Mm -hmm. that's interesting and it's only for 10 minutes or whatever it is. And it's about one topic. And so you're listening to it. Like I watch a lot of YouTube. Yeah. I I am a huge YouTube. Like I love it. So I've I've been watching it for 15 years and you've learned how to do everything in your life from YouTube. Oh yeah. Well, (laughs) yeah. I mean a lot of it, if I'm really but more, but more so now it's entertainment. I just find it fun and it's uh, an escape for, like I sure. watch it while I'm putting my makeup on, you know, it's, it's, I just love how YouTube has transformed into a really big entertainment platform. I myself have not used what I know I could do to do it just cause I'm like, I don't have time <laughs> and like, I want to do all these other things. So I have a YouTube channel. It's got like 800 followers. It's sure. not very big, but you know, it's, it's for me, 
having the visuals is great for social. That's why I do the video is it's a good way to tell people, oh, look, they have a podcast. A lot of people follow me. They have no idea I have a podcast. Right. So by showing the us talking, it's just another trigger to get more people to subscribe yeah. because they're seeing us talking on microphones that they might have, if they just saw a graphic, they might not know what that is. Right. A lot of people still to this day don't know what podcasting is. Right. There, it's, it's, I think it's getting there, but I think there are still people who are like, a lot of my friends are not in social media at all. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what's a podcast? Yep. So it's still, it's still getting to that point. That's how, when we talk about pop culture at the radio station and people are like, wait, what, who? And it's like, you don't know these people. They're like, no, we don't know. Mm-hmm. We don't pay attention to yeah. that. You're kind of in the world that you're in. Yeah, exactly. Um, when you think about just social media in general as a business person, mm-hmm. It's hard to monetize, right? Like you sell coffee cups and mm-hmm. it's hard to be like, oh, because I did this Instagram picture, I sold these, this many coffee cups. Why do you think that people, I guess it's just like marketing in general. Like it's just always creating an affinity for the brand mm-hmm. and always creating brand awareness. Yeah. Well, there's different kinds of marketing. There's direct marketing and then there's brand marketing. I read this book called Social Media... Shoot, I forget what it's called. But it was part of the story brand system. But basically, direct marketing is like sales. Mm -hmm. It's like you're selling a product. Brand marketing is getting people onto this engagement ladder where, you know, it's awareness. When somebody goes to your website, 3% of people are ready to buy. Three. Mm 97% of them are just looking for information. They want to know more. So provide them with that. Provide them with content. You know, on Instagram... Every, every month or so I'm like, Hey, do you guys know we have all these things? Cause we have new followers. People don't know all the mm-hmm. things we offer slowly, but surely they climb this ladder where they get added to the email list. They come to our event, you know, then what they pay for, you know, then they become a coaching client. It's mm-hmm. like getting people to really envelop your brand in a way that then they start telling their friends. Most of my people that join my group are told by one of their friends. Mm-hmm. It's become a word of mouth business even though I'm also really promoting it on social. I don't think that there's one way to do social. There's a lot of ways. And I think for me, I just really try to be as consistent as possible, have good content that people want to be following me for, because if it's just promotion, people are going to stop listening. Yeah. You do give a lot of great advice, good content. It is Twin Cities Collective. Mm -hmm. One more thought or one more question, and then we'll wrap it up. We're seeing a lot of interest in influencer marketing. Do you think that's waxing, waning, or gaining momentum? I do think, I was reading recently about how they're like, it's over, like influencer marketing's Mm -hmm. over. I do think that personality is still a thing. I do think that going into a restaurant saying I'm an influencer, give me free food is not going to keep going Mm -hmm. because I don't think businesses have seen enough success from it. But I don't think it's going anywhere in terms of I do think that people are going to be big names and what they tell their audience, their audience will follow them and do that. Mm -hmm. Um, David Dobrik is a huge example on YouTube. If you've heard of him, he's out of L.A., but, you know, he posted on he's got like 20 million followers or something, but he's got he posted something on his Instagram story about a new app that he was developing where it's like a Polaroid camera and it became number one on the app store that day Mm -hmm. because he posted it one time and that just goes to show that like some people are going to be the ones that people click on and follow there are people locally where they put a shirt on and and someone's like where'd you get it oh i got it at you know every eve and then they go to every eve and buy it that Mm -hmm. is something that does happen 
but it's hard to know. And I think with influencer marketing, a lot of it depends on, I think people do it wrong where they hire, like I got invited to an event and I, and it was like for some alcohol and I'm like, I don't drink alcohol. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they don't know that, like my, they just saw that I had a lot of followers and didn't really do any research mm-hmm. that, into me. So I think that's stuff people do wrong is they're just adding random influencers that have nothing to do with their business. It's not going to convert well because they, the, the missions don't match. So I think influencer marketing is something that is going to keep going for a few years. And I think it's only just getting started in the twin cities. I think it's kind of been a big thing on both coasts for a long time. Uh, but like, you know, the mall of America is a great example. They use a lot of influencers. They do a lot of fashion stuff. It's like finding those people that are really connected to their audience. And I think they've found that with their MOA style account, they utilize the local fashion bloggers that are, have an audience and they have followers that are interested in fashion, you know? Yeah. It's, it depends. Again, it's all about strategy. I did, we did an influencer marketing panel last year and that was super interesting to me. And one of the things like, uh, Giselle Ugardi was on it. If you know who she is, I don't, um, she used to be on the radio. She was on, um, I don't remember which <laughs> she, she now works for media bridge and she was one of our panelists and she was talking about how longer term, uh, relationships with influencers versus one-off campaigns yeah. is really the way it's going in terms of, I'll bring up David Dobrik again. He has a long-term thing with seat geek which is like a ticket app Uh uh-huh you know and and they buy him all these cars and he gives away to his friends but it's become so ingrained that when you think of seat geek you think of david it's interesting because long term in the radio world endorsements Mm -hmm. right i had an endorsement with certix that i Mm -hmm. think i had for five years i haven't actually endorsed certix in an official monetary Mm -hmm. capacity in i think four years but people still bring it up all yeah. the time to mm-hmm. me, to them. Yeah. We talk about it. Cause they're like, yeah, we thought about hiring you as an influencer, but everybody <laughs> already thinks you work for us. Oh, so there yeah. was no advantage to them. Yeah. I mean, there are things I talk about a lot that I'm not getting paid for that. I just really love. And so like Squarespace is one, like I have my website on Squarespace. I talk about it all the time, but I'm not getting paid by that. Right. I know some podcasters are, but I, I personally use it. And so I always tell my clients like, Hey, this is what I would recommend. And that it's a great opportunity. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I do think influencer market, it's such a hot topic people want to talk about. I, it's funny because I technically would be considered an influencer with like the numbers I have and just my overall influence in the cities, but I don't like to call myself an influencer. It's not really what I set out to do. But it's just interesting, like, to be treated that way when I, someone does, does talk to you. It's like, oh, you have this many followers. It's like, yeah. I think, too, in, like, you mentioned being careful and specific about your areas of influence. Mm-hmm. Like, totally. if you want to talk about food yeah. or liquor or places to go in the Twin Cities or, like, Minnesota products, mm-hmm. like, I'm your girl. Yeah. But if you want, and maybe some business things because I was a business mm-hmm. person and also maybe some cancer things, but that's kind of a weird thing to monetize. But if you want like me to talk about fashion, mm-hmm. nobody looks to me for fashion. Yeah. Like, and why would you? <laughs> yeah. So finding the right people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I always tell my clients, like you can have people that are brand evangelists for you that don't have, you know, 12, yeah. 20, 30,000 mm-hmm. followers, but still could be very influential yeah. for you. Well, that's, there's a thing called micro influencers yes. between it. I always say it's a thousand to 10,000 mm-hmm. followers. So they have not as many as I would say 10,000 followers. Once you get to that point, that's pretty much an influencer, at least in the cities. Um, but there are a lot of people in that mid range that are 
you know, have huge engagement numbers. Yeah. Like there's this one girl and I'm going to have her on the podcast because I don't know how she does it. She posts and she gets like 50 comments, Mm -hmm. like within an hour. And she's got maybe 3,000 followers. So I'm just going, how does that happen? Like I have 17,000 and I get maybe 10, you know, I wonder if she has like a tree. Yeah. Sometimes people unofficially. Yeah. Like a, like a pod. Yeah. Yeah. And so the idea is, is that they spend time um, promoting each other, each other and yeah. engaging on each other. Part of me thinks that is it, but at the same time, there's so many people that I'm like, there's no way that this is part of a group. Right. <laughs> that people must just really love her stuff and really connect with her. And they're just, I don't know. We'll see. Like, all right. Well, I'm, I'm interested I'm curious to see. To, I'm curious to know like what their strategies are. And there's a couple people like that in town that do that. And I'm like, wow, they get so much engagement. Yeah. It's insane. <laughs> uh, we have been talking to Jenna Redfield. It's Twin Cities Collective. Do you have anything coming up that you want to promote that people can um, access? So our Instagram workshop sold out. So we're doing an add-on session. I'm not sure when it's going to be. It's going to be in March. And then we are going to have another, I haven't announced this yet. We're having another workshop on photography in March as well. And then we're, I'm going to be launching group coaching, hopefully either in March or April. So if you want to join that, it's going to be three, four months of strategy, kind of the stuff I was talking about today, but really more in a small group. You can ask questions. It's all about making social media work for your business and not just something that wastes your time. And uh, people can follow you at Twin Cities Collective. Mm-hmm. Or uh, my personal is Jenna Redfield. And joining yeah. your Facebook group. What's yes. your Facebook group? So if you go, if you just type in Twin Cities Collective, there's a page and a group. Just join, you know, like both or join both. It's the first one that pops up. Thank you so, for coming and yeah, being on the program. Thanks for having it was me, great Stephanie. to talk with you. Yeah.